0: Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, the Freight Waves podcast highlighting founders doing it the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. We're here to change that and grow the small business community in our industry by sharing their stories and inspiring others to take the leap. I'm your host, Nate Schutz. Let's build something together from the ground up. Our guest today is a founder with a work ethic that just won't quit. Starting in an admin role nearly 20 years ago, then moving on to fleet management, then into brokerage operations, eventually to sales, and then climbing the management ladder. Now uh, the owner of her own company, CEO and founder of Candor Expedite, Nicole Glenn. Nicole, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me, Nate.
0: Of course. It is very nice to get to spend some time with you. I obviously have a a fair amount of background information on... uh, Getting ready for this chat, and I'm excited to ask you a couple of questions that I know um, I'm getting asked more and more from listeners as they hear the podcast and, and want to find out from founders what it's really like. So, if you don't mind, I'm just going to fire away, and and we can get into it. So,
1: for sure, the, go for
0: it. The first question yeah. that seems to be coming up a lot right now is. People want to know where did the money come from? How did you get started with limited resources and, and decide to bootstrap your own business?
1: Well, I was one of those people that realized that regardless, I like the concept of security, right? So it's weird to think an entrepreneur is motivated by security because it's the most risky position that you can ever have in life, right? Because everything is dependent upon the result of what you bring. There's no steady paycheck to start. Um, so, when I started the concept of wanting to do something, I started saving a lot of money. So I put seventy percent of my total pay away. I took out an extra roth, so that way there was money that I could always pluck out and not get penalized for. I was just going, what can I do for the next couple of years to put myself ahead? that I didn't, wasn't even sure if that was gonna be money to use for a business. I just wanted to take my maximized dollars and do something with them. So I'm so grateful that I had done
0: that. So how did you end up then with the name candor logistics? What does candor mean to you? There's, it's not a common word. People don't use the word candor very, it's old fashioned sounding even to some is, people.
1: Um, the word candor is transparent, honest, open, forthright, blunt. Cause that is something that I've, I've wanted to be a part of and create. I've been in logistics for almost 22 years so I was in the good old days when, you know, you had to pick up the phone and make relationships. It was not just post a load on the dat and hopefully someone will call you and give you a rate. You know, it was, it was a different world. Uh, but growing up in the operational side, I saw like how much deception was in this industry. How there's a constant fake negotiation and brokers lying to carriers, carriers lying to brokers, customers not being transparent. And I was like, when I step into this space, I want to do something different with that. I don't want my people to ever have to tell a lie to a customer that you can't get a driver on the phone or something broke down or that your shipment's lost. I wanted to have complete honesty on all ends. And I got asked this question the other day. What's the difference between transparency and the ability of trackability, right? Mm. I wanted to go beyond just tracking freight for that honest concept and create something that was, I'm going to be totally transparent. I'm going to tell you where things are, but then when things go wrong, I'm going to tell you how we're going to fix it. And so that name has been a concept of mine long before I ever opened a company.
0: Well, I, re- I recall years and years ago, a, a driver having a string of really bad luck where his grandma died three times in like two weeks on a load. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. felt, I felt really bad for the guy. I mean, man, you've lost yeah. your grandma thrice. Yeah. so
1: Terrible for you. Poor yeah. guy.
0: Poor guy. Yeah. So where did your sense of ethics and even work ethic come from then?
1: My parents. So as, as a, I guess you could say teenager, they always just strived, you know, in, in their work. And I always saw that there was never like, Hey, my mom's on the couch, like called in sick and just hanging out. Same thing with my dad. I mean, they always took those next steps. I would remember listening to my parents talking about my dad up for a promotion and what that meant to him. Um, I also remember when he would go through those times when they were laying people off at his company and what he felt like with that and how important it was for him to kind of pass that milestone and, Keep climbing in his career, Uh, and again, my mom. I mean, she worked in a warehouse, and she was always, you know, just busting butt. She took such pride in it and what she did. And um, so, when I was about sixteen, they would always help me. But at a certain point, they were like, "All right, you're of age," and not like this sit down conversation that was like, "All right, time to get a job, kiddo." It was more of like, you know you you should probably go out there and see what's up. And so I did. I got a job at the age of 16. And then I liked the idea of having money. It was like, this is awesome. (laughs) I can go to Taco Bell at 11 p.m. Like, this is so cool. And so I'd saved money, though, before I'd had a little babysitting service, and I bought my first car. Um, But they would help me with things like, hey, we're going to put new tires on your car. So they always supported, but the main emphasis was for us to be independent. Yeah,
0: self-sufficient, it sounds like was is yeah. the name of the game in your, in your whole family line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that really like inspired me. And then again, I started getting this taste of like money and Abercrombie and Finch that I could buy myself. And so then I got two jobs in high school. And then I started really helping even at the store. I was working at a hardware store and the store manager there, like we got along really well. And so she was like, do you want to like help me with all the resets in the store? So I'm 17 years old and I'm getting up at 4 a.m. before high school, going to this hardware store and resetting an entire section of the hardware store with her and then going to school. And so it was one of the, one of those things that I would do whatever, you know, I was always like, sure, yeah, let's do that. Or can I have that? Can I, can I be your pricing person? Can I go do all the inventory in the store? So even at a young age, I was always trying to see what I can do to increase that
0: Well I know that school has school and education has played a large role in your life too and you faced a number of challenges that other people don't face typically.
1: Well I got into transportation at 18. I started off ten dollars an hour which was like this
0: is awesome 10 bucks an hour
1: right and um, I worked for a very small company it was like me and two other gentlemen who were much older than I. Um, but I did a lot of different things there. So they kept like giving me these, these raises. So I started doing pretty well at this little company at a pretty young age, like 19. I showed them Excel and we created a rate con and all of this stuff. And so I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I need to go to school. I think I'm okay. Like, I think I can do this. And so I dropped out. I had done a little bit of community college and, um, That was it. I just kind of went into the freight side of things for a minute. And then um, I had gotten married. I got married pretty young. I got married at 22. I've been with my husband since I was 17 years old.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And so from uh, that, it was like we had our daughter at I was 22. And so I remember I took some time off for a minute to like be with her. And I started kind of assessing at the age of 22, like, what I had done, where I wanted to go, and what I would have for expectations for her. So I said to my husband, "I was like, I can't ever expect this child to go to college if I don't look her in the eye and tell her I did it." Mm. And so I went to this college called Northwood University. It was like the satellite office in Illinois, and it was all in school. I liked the concept of being sit down, not just online. And so I went in there, and they were like, "Well, you don't. You have to be 26 to be in this program." So I kind of I had to write a letter to the president of the school and like plead my case, and they were like, "Why do you want to do this?" I'm like, "It's for my daughter. It's not even really for me. I want to do it for her." And so they granted me to come into the school, and I fell in love with it. Nate. Mm. I fell in love with it because all the professors were working people. So like I had people that were running. Um, what is that company? Like, I think it's called Sanford or Stanford. They open, they have pens. So my marketing teacher was, he was running the marketing department at this major company. My econ teacher was on the, uh, the prime news, like talking Mm -hmm. about economics. I mean, every teacher there was like doing something and all the people that came there, this isn't like your typical 18, 19 year olds. They were all working people. So even at 26, that, age limit was not really where it was a lot of people in their thirties and forties. And so they, we had McDonald's, um, corporate people in there like bettering themselves. And so you'd hear all this awesome stuff on where people were and where they were trying to go. And so it was just this collaborative environment that you went through the same, uh, with the same people into these different classes. And so I spent two years in that program. I, I had to do a little bit more community work after I decided I wanted to go back. But um, it was such an experience. And then in that time, I got pregnant with my boys. Um, so I had, I was pregnant with twins. So I was working full time. Then I got back into freight by then. I had my daughter. I was pregnant with twins. And I was a 3.8 GPA student. I was shooting for four um, I had two classes that kind of kicked my butt.
0: Uh, well, I still remember I missed a, a 4.0 by, you know, six hundredths of a point because of one teacher in one class. And I'll never forgive him. <laughs> even though Even though it was on me, I still remember it.
1: It's striving for that, you know? And so it was just one of those things that was such an experience. So when I graduated, I had to go up to the main campus in Michigan. And they had this huge ceremony because it's like, you know, a thousand plus students. I don't even know what the number was. And there were two people that they called out from the audience that were graduating and telling their story. And so this the president of our school started talking about me and I had no idea. And I'm like sitting there and I'm already so proud. My kids are there. My grandparents are there. Like everybody took this trek because I was the first college graduate. Um, So it was a big deal. And so they had this story about me telling like my, why I came back and the dedication. I was on bed rest and I was still sneaking into school to like, you know, do it and just striving. And so it was so crazy to have that story. I just remember getting very emotional of you course. know, because it was just, it was just cool. But it was one of those experiences that the papers and the kids and the noise and the chaos that was, ha- I just had to, I had to focus in. And it changed and your life, it. it sounds like. It did.
0: It really did. So now you've got, Matea is 16 years old. Your twins, Andrew and Landon, are 13. Are you one of those, hey, I'm a lawyer. I want my kids to be lawyers. (laughs) Are you thinking, hey, you know, my daughter's now at the age I was, you know, when I started thinking about these things, do you you have hopes and dreams for your kids and, and what direction they go?
1: Yeah, I do. I try not to be insanely pushy because I'm very, you know, let's go mindset and, my daughter is this perfect blend between my husband and myself. and so she has this softness to her and this kindness to her. but then she does have a little bit of tenaciousness to her. And so she's in this spot where it's like she's still so young so I'll ask her questions and she doesn't know. but I just just stress the importance of giving it all you got and doing what it is that you love to do you know and she doesn't know what that is yet and I'm like, that's okay. No one knows that. But it's just, you need to be happy in whatever you do. It is a big part of who you become. And so she hears that consistently from me. But then I also tell her things about how I want her to like, it's more of a focus really on saving her money and making those financial decisions because I don't feel like parents really teach their children like, hey, this is a credit card and this can really mess up your life. Um, This is how you can start saving and investing for your future. And so that's really one of the emphasis that I put and talk to my children about today, because I want them to be able to be financially successful, not from us, but from our lessons that we had gone through and the things that we encountered to avoid.
0: It ends up being a a family affair. Anytime that you have a a business or even a career for those who, who have day jobs like me, it's a huge part of what we do, but it's not all that we are. It's where we ultimately spend more time than anywhere else, but it's not the the sole purpose of why we're doing it. Um, so they now, are the
1: sole purpose. Exactly. I mean, that was part of my push, even into wanting to take and do grander things. Was I couldn't I couldn't figure out a way to really buy that next house. I mean, we lived in a townhouse with three children. So when I had twins, it was during that kind of. 2008 when everything tanked. Right. And so our property value plummeted and all this weird stuff happened at the time. So we couldn't get out of this tiny little townhouse. So I had three kids in one bedroom for three years. So it was like one of those things that it just lit this fire in me. Like, what can I do alongside of my husband to like get us out of this and, and do something different.
0: So there's a huge lesson in this that I'm picking up on for, Those who want to start their own business or maybe acquire their own business, the ability to delay gratification and make sacrifice in order to be able to bootstrap gives you more options and control over where you spend your time, what you choose to invest in, not necessarily having to rely on outside partners or or others because you get to build it the way that you want because you've made the sacrifices to make that possible. So looking back on it now, what is the one thing you wish you could do over?
1: We'll be right back.
0: Have you heard about Bitfreighter and the EDI revolution? Bitfreighter helps companies automate communication with their freight partners through unlimited messaging and quoting. Traditional providers can't say that. The Bitfreighter team is also available 24-7 and responds immediately by phone, email, or yes, even text. Legacy providers can't say that either. So if you want to scale your operations to save time and money, come join the EDI revolution with us. Visit bitfreighter.com to get started today.
1: Have a plan. <laughs> so again, like I said to you, like it was kind of like, hey, we can we can run a company and we can go get some freight and we can we can do this. And there was really no strategy behind it. So when you talk about bootstrapped, I was bootstrapped and tied to that desk, (laughs) moving myself and picking up every phone call, tracking shipments, coming up with processes, getting out, selling, getting on planes, seeing people. And so it was just that concept of had to just go, but there was no strategy behind it. And so that has been a huge transition for me was getting out there, talking to people, finding mentors, utilizing my network to, to learn and come up with what is it that I really want us to be and creating that vision? Because again, it was like, hey, guys, maybe we can do 10% more this month. That, that was like the that was the pep talk that I would give people, you know, like, hey, we did OK last month. Let's try to get a little bit more instead of, hey, this is where we're headed. This is what we want to do. This is how we're going to get there. This is our next step. This is your involvement in that. And that's where I feel like if I could rewind time and go over that, even just the three years or two and a half years that that's been, I think we'd be even a lot further today than where we're at.
0: One of my goals in doing this podcast is to help grow awareness of the community, obviously, but also individual businesses. And I know you shared that growing awareness of Candor Expedite is a a goal of yours this year. So I suppose, you know, a couple of, you know, 20 minutes in or so, we maybe should talk about Candor Expedite and and, and what it is. So I had had a background in time
1: sensitive expedited work. And so I always love that because that chaos of like, hey, I really need your help. And I think that's the cool part to me is like, you develop those relationships off of really helping someone out in their time of need. And so we've stayed in that concept of this is our core business. So we do all time sensitive ground shipments and we tailor that equipment to match what the shipment is. So I've seen it so many times. It's crazy. Some of these big companies still, they will put two skids on a tractor trailer and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we can help you. <laughs> we can help you save money. We can actually be doing something good for the environment, you know, reducing that. I mean, a tractor trailer puts up so much, um, So I'm like, we can we can reduce that carbon footprint. We can align you with different solutions. We can give you more time, and so that really was the emphasis of the business. But from my background, I've been in air freight. I've had a fleet of trucks. I've been on just a standard brokerage side. I've done LTL, you know, all of those things. That when we started building our customer base, they would start going hey, we need this. And I'm like, ooh, not what we do. And I was always in this mindset of staying true to the core of our business. But then I started realizing there are some really good additions that we could add on to stay in this niche space, but then also offer those solutions to customers like our retail clients. Like we have a white glove multimodal group now that does consolidation, line haul, you know, final mile, high value, high touch, trade shows, stuff like that. Um, and then, again, that truckload piece, I mean, especially in 2021, people were just clamoring for solutions. And so we decided to help our clients and started a truckload division. And so we've been able to... That's I'm not going to say where we're going to end in our service offering. We're trying to become a IAC, um, able to carry air freight solutions there too. But we're going to stay in that kind of niche of... Um, how to help a client, not just become a commodity and trying to just go after huge volumes of business. And, and a reason is, it's like, I go talk to people, I'll go to a conference and people will say, I go, what do you do? And they're like, I'm a broker. And I'm like, okay, what, what else? Well, we move freight. And I was like, okay, I want to have something that actually makes a difference. You know, I, and again, not to knock, Not to knock that at all, because that is a thing. (laughs) I've been on that side. But to have something that's more of relationship driven and helping people and creating solutions was just a really cool spot. So we've been able to really bring in people now. And that's always a struggle. And that's what I would love to tell other business owners. When you start a business, you have this great idea. You might be a rock star, but try to get someone who is a rock star that has never heard of you, never heard of your company doesn't have any sort of concept of where you're going to join you. Take a risk. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, especially when they're doing well in the company that they're at or you have to pay them an absorbent amount of money that you don't have as a bootstrapped person. And so one of those concepts too, was how do I get professionals on our team and how do I have those new divisions be built? So again, it's always this relationship piece. So, some of the key people in my company have known me for 15 years. A lot of them were actually my customers. So I know that sounds crazy to like hire a customer that's giving you revenue, but your customer is going to be a big advocate for you. If you've serviced them and you've come through for them, they're going to see your vision and know how you operate. And so I have currently one, two, three customers uh, that have worked, worked with me in the past working at our company. And these are just outstanding people. Some of my customers were on the freight forwarding side. um, So they had that freight experience, but then we've also had shippers who have a different total perspective on what that life is like that they go through. And then the transition onto the, to our side of, of the business was a learning lesson, but it was also great, you know? So this concept for me is to really stay into a space that. Is delivering value every single day. We don't have uh walk into like our loads are just uncovered and we have to cover those loads for the day. We come into, I call it board because it's our TMS. We have to build our revenue every single day. And again, there's no lane rates. There's no it's you have to figure it out as you go. Yeah. It's solving problems and it is chaos but at the same time it's structured chaos. We know where that business is going to come from now because we have those relationships and we have that strategy and that's why I was saying that plan was number 1.
0: Well you you <laughs> have what I do over. You have found the right place for where you belong and where you're at your best then that is that's always exciting. It's always wonderful to get to watch somebody like a fish takes to water you're taking to bootstrapping, and and being a founder. So as other founders are listening that are maybe or, or considering starting a business, who should reach out to you? What, what questions do you think that you can answer or what niche of the industry would you say, hey, call me, I can help you with this if, if you're a founder?
1: Ooh, you know what? I don't think it matters what niche of the industry it is. I don't even think it's industry based. I mean, I think being a CEO and starting a business really applies to anything, you know. Do I know how to start a franchise? No. So if you want to open a Subway, I'm probably not a good person to call. But if you're trying to establish a business plan, if you're trying to come up with ways on how you can bootstrap and self-fund a company and how you take those steps and how you come up with the solutions on how you want to hone in on your craft, Um, And really even file to become a business and all of that stuff. A lot of people don't know how to do any of that to start. So I'd say anybody that's starting their mission and they want to do something and they're passionate about it. um, You can you can find another a business owner that will help you. It doesn't have to be in your industry. But if you're talking about the actual industry itself, I mean, a lot of hotshot companies that are companies that are wanting to start their own hotshot business. You know, they'll come to me, even though I'm on the brokerage side, I've been on the asset side, so I will help them. And then I will connect them with other individuals within the industry that are on their side. So I'd say to anybody listening, build your network, you know, talk to anybody who's in business, talk to anybody who is in business in your sector, too, because they'll give you that insight on some of the things maybe they missed.
0: Well, let's help some of those people find you if they need. So if you would like to connect with Nicole, you can shoot her an email at nglenn at You can check their website out at com as well. And to join the conversation with me online, you can follow along at Logistics Twit on Twitter you can check out FreightWaves.com and you can go ahead and subscribe to the show. Nicole, thank you so much. This was thank you, babe. the highlight of these conversations are always the highlight of my week. I wish you so much success this year. And let's follow up a year from now and hear how 2022 was for you. That
1: would be awesome. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to another founder share their story on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. If you'd like to become part of the story yourself, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.